You know how many things that the devil has kept you from doing in your life that God called you to do because of what might happen if you did? We have been consulting the wrong source to find out what our future looks like. And so now we stay indoors and we stay in fear and we stay in paranoia. And we never plant and we never reap. Solomon said, because we watch the wind. I'm going to share one verse and then I'm going to let you be seated. And the verse is actually in Ecclesiastes 11. I have unintentionally been working my way backwards through this passage of Scripture. And I haven't started a series lately, but I've unintentionally just been using these thoughts from Solomon, who has us enrolled in the School of Wisdom. And he has the right to do it because some people called him the wisest man who ever lived. He was like Elon Musk uh, of the Old Testament. But the only difference between Solomon and Elon Musk is he wrote his, his treatise to help us see that if you succeed but you're not fulfilled, or if you succeed but you don't have peace, or if you succeed but you're succeeding at things that don't have real meaning, you will come up empty in the end. And so he helps us with that with a few principles from the Word of God. And this one today I want to share is very, very simple. From the school of Solomon, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4 says this Whoever watches the wind will not plant, whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. So I know I told you I was going to preach today, but really this is more like an announcement of a, of a fight, okay? So really we came to watch a fight today. And the title of this message is called wind versus word. In this corner is the wind, and his opponent is the word. And I believe this message is for someone today who is conflicted between the wind and the word of God. And I believe today God is going to speak to your heart. Do it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Touch somebody, say ding, ding. Amen. You may be seated. One thing that is interesting to me, and the verse really suggests this same reality, is how when your spirit makes a decision to do something, your mind will find reasons not to do it now. Now, if you decide to do something, like go on a diet, your mind will immediately start calculating why it's not a good idea to go on a diet now. Some of y'all are already doing the math. Well, you know, Christmas is right around the corner. It's like months till Christmas, but you already got the countdown timer because it's easy to find a reason. And really, the way that our human minds work sometimes is in opposition to our spirit, which is divine. And that's why you could find yourself, even with the Apostle Paul, who lamented one time, what I want to do, I don't do. What I don't want to do, I do, because often your mind will contradict your spirit. And it's actually deeper than that, because the way this works in daily life is that your heart reaches a verdict and then gives evidence 
to support the verdict, whether or not the verdict was true. In a court of law, this would be a mistrial, but in our lives, this is often just standard operating procedure, is that we come to a conclusion, and then once we've come to that conclusion, our mind is brilliant like some kind of you know, $400 an hour attorney to find evidence to support the conclusion. And in so many areas of our lives, we find a reason. I mean, you can find a reason, and this is what Solomon is saying. If you look for a reason not to sow, or if you look for a reason not to reap, you will find one every time. It's very true because right now, I promise you, you can find a reason. Your mind can find a reason to complain, even though your spirit knows that God has been good to me. How many of you in your spirit, you know that God has been good to you and better than you deserve? And yet you could find a reason, couldn't you? I'll give you one. You want one? If you just need a reason to complain, I'll give you a reason right now to complain. For some of y'all, it's too cold in the auditorium. If you just need a reason to complain, if the, if the, if the praise songs of the Most High God didn't, didn't give you enough reason to praise. Let's find something for you to complain about. Some of y'all, this sermon's going to be too long for you. Some of you, it's going to be too short for you. Some of you don't like a preacher in tight britches. And some of you, <laughs> you know, you can find one if you need one. And it's really not that hard to find a reason to complain. In fact, if we want to go even deeper than that, and I don't mean to take a dark turn early in the sermon because it's really good atmosphere in here and I don't want to mess it up, but if you wanted to, you could find a reason to go into a whole depression. If you wanted to think about a certain problem in your life right now, you could, you could distract yourself with a problem that is not in this room to the point that you don't hear another word I say this whole sermon. Because your, your mind will collect evidence for a verdict that you've already decided on. And that's why when you wake up some mornings like I do and say it's just going to be one of those days, you will find every reason why it's one of those days because your heart reached a verdict and now you've sent your mind an investigative search of the support. Y'all know I'm preaching in my introduction. I'm rested for this message. And see, even if you want to try to be tired, you can try to be tired. If you want a reason to be tired, you can have a reason to be tired right now. I mean, if you want to find a re if you just need a reason, you can find a reason when you need a reason, and that's why it's a bad idea. Watch this sharp turn. To sit around watching the weather. My least favorite thing about being a pastor is when inclement weather. And by inclement weather, here's what I mean for church people. I'm about to have some group therapy. Inclement weather means it could mean that it's so beautiful outside that we can't possibly go to church. We need to take this time to go be outside. I'm not talking to y'all. I'm talking to the people who skip church. Let me look at the camera because y'all are safe. Y'all are here right now. Inclement weather. It's not too cold. We don't have to go out in the rain. It's not too perfect. We're not missing anything outside. It is perfect church weather. We actually have a little joke on our staff when it's just it's just a little too cold for you to be outside, but it's not too cold where you have to you know suffer for five seconds before your seat warmers kick in. It's perfect church weather, and it's really hard to be a pastor, especially when they are forecasting. You know, torrential weather that may or may not even hit our state. 
And, and what's really difficult about it, and I promise you this is in the text, is that sometimes all the milk and all the bread will be off of the grocery store shelves and there will be no snow on the ground. But it was the, it was the threat, or I could say it like this, it was the forecast that created fear of something that was never even in our future. Now you went to Sam's and Costco, bought out all the batteries, and the sun was out and it was 77 degrees. Now, one thing that I love about our church is when a real tragedy happens, we've already got supplies on the ground in the Bahamas because of your giving. We've already got supplies moving toward people when there's an emergency. And that's not the, the part that I struggle with as a pastor. The, the hard part is knowing that so many people… See, my, my dad used to wake up every morning and watch the news, and he would always… I, I thought this was so weird growing up. He would always cuss out the weatherman. And I need to give you full disclosure because this is a very complicated part of my personal psychology. I did not want to be a preacher when I was a little boy. I wanted to be a weatherman. I think it was a form of rebellion. Because I would stand with my Sesame Street globe and an antenna that I broke off my TV so I could point at the globe and I would forecast the weather. This is like six years old, seven years old, and I would forecast the weather in places in the world that I couldn't pronounce. I liked it. I liked the ability to predict the future. But then my dad, he would cuss out the weatherman, and I was conflicted. And what made him so mad about the weatherman was that he understood that even though I respect meteorologists, remember, I could have been one if it had just gone a little bit different, just a little different path, I could have been one. But the thing that my dad couldn't stand about it was to watch how people would go into a frenzy over something that was in a forecast. And now my dad is no longer living, but I just want to say to him, if he's watching this on a Heavenly Celestial live stream broadcast channel, that I get it now because it's frustrating when you're trying to plan church and people don't come, not because it's snowing, not because it's raining, but because it might. You know how many things that the devil has kept you from doing in your life that God called you to do because of what might happen if you did? And a lot of us, the enemy doesn't even have to fight us with real events or circumstances. Just even the suggestion of a disaster is enough to send some of us into a retreat. And so just even the thought that what if they don't like you is enough to keep you in the house. Or just even a thought if what if they break my heart is enough to keep you from extending yourself in relationship. Or just even a thought, you know, many of you are reluctant to get involved in this church because you had a previous bad church experience. And I understand that because once you have been through a storm, I lived through Hurricane Hugo. I was eight years old when Hurricane Hugo hit Charleston, South Carolina. It terrified me. I didn't want to spend 
the night away from home for two years after that as a little boy. Because one thing, after you have survived a storm, after you have survived bad weather, after you have survived abuse, what people don't tell you about is that even after the storm is over, it still rages on on the inside of you. And the saddest thing in the world is to see a Christian who has been set free by the love of Christ to know that neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any other power shall be able to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus my Lord. What I'm trying to say, some of us need to fire the devil as our weatherman. We have been consulting the wrong source to find out what our future looks like. And so now we stay indoors and we stay in fear and we stay in paranoia. And we never plant and we never reap. Solomon said, because we watch the wind. What a weird image. You really can't see the wind. You can only see the effects of it. And he says, when you watch the wind, you know, like, is this a good time? I'll give you one. This one looks like to watch the wind. Because I was thinking about that phrase, watch the wind. And I was like, this is not a literal message. I'm not using it to talk about physical storms. I'm using it to talk about when the sower goes to sow, he wants the wind to work with him. And when the wind is blowing the opposite direction, all your seed smacks you in your face. But you ever feel like everything you sow just, you ever feel like stuff just backfires on you? Are you trying to be nice to somebody? That's the last one of those I'm doing. I gotta preach this twice tomorrow. I need my brain cells. But you ever just been smacked by your own seed? Because that's what he's saying. When the wind is blowing against you, some, some of you have had the wind against you your whole life. You didn't have the right shoes. Your parents didn't make a lot of money. You had to learn to fit in. You had to learn how to be tough. You had to learn how to be hard, and you learned how to survive a storm. But the problem with that, the only problem with that is sometimes the wind isn't even against you, but you still feel like it is because your mind is collecting evidence in support of a verdict that is no longer accurate. See, so watch the wind. Try to find out was popular. Watching the wind is like trying to determine what's going to gain you clout, and then you let clout overrule character. And watching the wind is trying to be like, oh, do they like me? Do they like me? Is this what I need to be to be liked? That's, that's watching the wind. Can I give you another one that's watching the wind? It's needing to be in a good mood to keep your commitments. That's watching the wind. Because some of my weather systems are internal. And I found out a long time ago that usually the mood that you're in when you make a commitment will not match the mood that you're in when it's time to keep the commitment. And so to watch the wind is for those of us who sometimes need to feel it in order to fulfill it. And Solomon says, the, the wisest man, the, the richest man, the, the man who said that to do things for vanity's sake is like chasing after the wind. He uses this metaphor a lot in his, 
in his book, Ecclesiastes, the collected teachings, which are like Proverbs, but it's written in such a way as to convince the knowledge of the universe and the futility of vanity, he uses this image of the wind. Why? Because it is an invisible force. And he says, if you are always checking with and consulting how you feel, you will always find a reason to contradict your responsibility. So there will always be a reason, watch this, that you don't feel like forgiving people. But if you want to be free, you might have to go against your feelings in order to live in freedom. I'm saying you might have to walk against the wind. You might have to forgive against the wind, especially in marriage. I love Holly so much because she decided a long time ago that I was the man for her. She reached the verdict on verdict before she ever took my name as her own. And because she reached the verdict that she loves me and I'm a good man, in our marriage, she works to collect evidence to support that I'm the man for her. She could just as easily do the opposite. She could, she could find 15 reasons. Well, he's only five foot nine. He's bigger on screen. You know, she could find 15 reasons. I'm usually moody three and a half days out of seven. She could find 15 reasons not to feel that way about me. But sometimes commitment means facing resistance with resolve in your heart. You can find a reason to leave this church in the next three days if you want one. Matter of fact, the law of averages says that there's somebody on your row right now who, if you get to know them, they will give you a reason to leave this church in the next three days because they will disappoint you with their lack of Christian character. But if you move one person over on the same row, I bet you there's somebody on that row that loves Jesus. There's somebody on that row who is honest. There is somebody on that row that is sincere. But you'll never sow. But see, I'm gonna get my what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get my I'm gonna do the tithing thing, but I'm gonna do it after I get my thing, because the thing after the thing is gonna do the thing. And then this thing happened, there was the thing, and the but the economy, but the presidential election. You see how we do it? Consulting the forecast instead of consulting our faith. He who regards the wind or observes the wind will never sow. And he who looks at the clouds will never reap. Because it always looks like it could rain any time. And you can't get the harvest in when it's wet. And Solomon didn't have a Weather Channel app. And Solomon didn't have a Weather Channel. He's dealing with people who would consult the conditions before keeping their commitments. Watching the wind. How many people have not started what God told them to start because they've been watching the wind? Been waiting for more spare time. I'm gonna write a book one day. You don't even keep a journal right now. I'm gonna write a book one day. When are you gonna write it? 
Well, I'm gonna build a cottage in Maine. It's the thing I'm gonna do one day. You got some family land? Nope. It's an imaginary scenario that keeps you from an actual opportunity. Do you see it? Watching the wind is wishing that you had a different wife instead of loving the one that you've got like Christ loves the church. This is getting good. This message is going to be better than your beard by the time I finish with it, my brother. And that's saying a lot. But you know, Peter knew something about watching the wind, though, didn't he? Peter, the apostle who was always wanting to do something impulsive, sometimes it worked for him, sometimes it worked against him. But one thing that you got to love about him, he did not wait for perfect circumstances to say. He didn't wait until he had knowledge to give his opinion. <laughs> you ever live with somebody like that? It's terrible. And I noticed something about God, and I wanted to give this to you, because they have these things in church. They say, well, God is an on-time God. Yes, he is. He's an on-time God. He's, he's seldom early, but he's never late. Ask Lazarus if he was ever late. Lazarus, he's about four days late, decomposing body, worms working their way into the eye socket by the time Jesus got there, and Mary and Martha had set their watch by it. Ask Peter if Jesus was ever late. Ask him. Ask him if, if one time they did not get sent out into a storm by the instruction that Jesus gave to go to the other side. Now, this has been really exciting to me as I've studied it this week because the, the real thing of faith is do you trust God's timing? You know that, right? And that was the test for Mary and Martha. Uh, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And she said, Well, uh, you know, I am the resurrection. And she said, Well, I know my brother's going to rise again at the last day. He said, No, I am the resurrection. It wasn't that she didn't trust what he was able to do, it was, Are you able to trust when God is going to do it? Hey, it really is a privilege to share God's Word with you. Thank you for joining me. But each week, we just have a little bit of time together, and I'd love to take the conversation beyond just a TV program. So if you want to go deeper, if you want to connect on another level, you can call or go online right now and request exclusive resources from today's message. We'll make them available to you with your gift of any amount to the ministry. But I want to tell you about something else, too. Live, every single Sunday, we broadcast a message from Elevation Church, the church where I pastor. And so you can tune in, worship with us, hear a message, experience the ministry live as it happens. And what's even better, you can connect with a community of people from all over the world. We call it EFAM, E like Elevation, E like Extended. It means a lot of different things. But it's just our way to connect with you beyond this broadcast. I would love for you to join us live this weekend. Then you can go online stephenfurtick.com slash live. Don't forget the slash live. It will take you directly to the details and the times, so do it now. Visit the website. I'll see you this weekend. Some of you have had the wind against you your whole life. You didn't have the right shoes. Your parents didn't make a lot of money. You had to learn to fit in. You had to learn how to be tough. You had to learn how to be hard, and you learned how to survive a storm. But the problem with that is sometimes the wind isn't even against you, but you still feel like it is. 
you don't know the way God is going to work in your situation. And it is always too soon for you to quit on something that God put on the inside of you. If he gave you a dream, it's too soon to walk away from it just because it doesn't manifest in three dimensions by the time you get done praying about it. Seeds can be deceiving. Seeds can look awfully small. Seeds can look impotent. And they may be dormant for a while, and when you sow them, they go away for a little while. But they didn't go to die. They went to multiply. Some of the things in your life that you said goodbye to, you need to say, see you later. I'm expecting you to come back up again, because I believe in resurrection. If God's put gifts and dreams inside of us, isn't it time to find out what they are? Your potential isn't gone. It's just waiting for you to access it. Call or go online now for your copy of Unlocking Your Hidden Potential. EFAM is our online family at Elevation Church. It doesn't matter where you call home. Becoming a part of our EFAM is as simple as joining us online each week. Each weekend, we broadcast our worship experiences to thousands of people around the world. It's so simple for you to join the huge move of God that is happening through our EFAM by tuning into experiences on the weekend or on demand when it's convenient for you. When you participate, you'll experience awesome worship music, preaching, and community with people tuning in, just like yourself. You can have a deeper connection by joining an e-group and an e-team, giving online, and connecting with other e-fam near you through watch parties. Wherever you find yourself in life, we want to be a place you can depend on for receiving inspiration, encouragement, and support. Grow your faith, no matter where you are.